we're into the part of Christmas, which is always my favorite parts. You know what I mean? Um, we looked at the prophecies, the hope that comes with Christmas. Oh, children are dismissed. Did I forget that? I see, a, I see people standing in the hallway looking at me with a funny face like, <laughs> if there's kids, you're dismissed. Um, we looked at the prophecy some 700 years, the exact place where Jesus would be born was predicted. And then we looked at Bethlehem, um, that little place. And we talked about there's no um, little places for us. And wherever your little place was, wherever, that, wherever your insignificant place was, God has a plan for your life. Isn't that wonderful? That God, the creator of the universe, sustainer of all things, has a plan for our lives. And this week we want to look at the shepherd's candle, which is the pink candle. And we want to look at this whole idea of joy and what brings joy into our lives. Let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 2. And I'm reading from the New King James because King James always sounds better in the Christmas story, just, you know, old school. I normally use the New Living Translation, but the, the sound of the King James just has a, a sort of ring to it in the Christmas story, doesn't it? It says, starting at verse 1, it says, And it came to pass in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census, this census first took place when Quirinius was uh, governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, up from the city of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was from the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy which will be for all people. For this day has been born to you in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the great angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, Goodwill towards men. So when it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see the things which have come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe laying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which had been told to them concerning the child. 
And all who heard it marveled at these things, which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept these things in her heart, pondering them. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen and was told to them. May the Lord bless his word this morning. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you let the words of my mouth, even the very thoughts of my heart, let them be acceptable in your sight. And I pray this in your name. Amen. The main characters here are angels and shepherds. Shepherds. I don't know if any of you have worked a night shift. When I first um, went into the ministry, they, they didn't have money. And so I took a job as a security guard at a grocery store working the night shift. And the night shift crowd is totally different than the day crowd. You know what I mean? Um, after 12 or 1 o'clock, the personalities of the people totally change that would come into the grocery store. And as a security guard, there would always be somebody who thought that the security guard would be on vacation or sleeping at that time of night would try to steal. And there'd always people, there were people that came in all the time because of their jobs. They would come in every night at the 24-hour grocery store. But really, most of the time, nothing really happened. Most of the time, after around 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning, it was totally and completely boring, standing, looking at people, waiting for something to happen. I think of these shepherds out in their fields. I'm sure that this night when it started seemed like every other night. Uneventful. They're stuck. And we know from church history in the background that shepherds, the occupation of shepherds was a lowly place. If you were a shepherd and you were stuck on a night shift, you know you were the lowly person. Shepherds were lowly. Shepherds were considered untrustworthy. And their work made them ceremonially unclean. They were outcasts in their society. And this seems to be a theme in the Gospel of Luke. That this Gospel, this good news, is going to have its greatest audience among the poor, the disenfranchised, the rejected. It's interesting that even later on in Jesus' first message in his hometown, he opens up the scroll of Isaiah and what he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and has ordained me to preach what? The gospel to the poor. There seems to be this theme that, yes, the gospel is for everybody, but for the poor, the disenfranchised, it's good news. It's good news. And so on this day of Christ's birth, the angels first appear, the shepherds. These shepherds were out in the fields in Bethlehem. I find this very interesting. And I read one commentary, and he made a connection between the fact, where was David when Samuel came looking for a king? He was out in the fields. What was he doing? Tending sheep. And now when the king of kings comes, where does he find the people that would first celebrate that birth? 
in Bethlehem, out in the fields, watching sheep. There is a direct connection that this Messiah, he's coming from the same cut, the same brand as King David. He's from that line. And I think it also symbolizes that shepherding. Actually, that's the word for pastor. The word pastor is shepherd. And what would Jesus do, this child do? He would shepherd Israel and care for his people and deliver them from their sins. And so these shepherds are out in their fields, keeping watch at night. And the scriptures tell us that the glory of the Lord shines on them. For a couple of years, I do some study that takes a couple of years. There's some things I think about for a couple of years. I study it for a long time. Because I'm trying to wrap my head around it. And when you're ADD, you got to keep going over the same thing over and over and over and over again. You know, start over again. But in Isaiah, it says, the whole earth is full of his glory. You ever hear that in Isaiah 6? The whole earth is full of his glory. And when I look around in our society, I don't always see the whole earth full of his glory. Let me be real with you, I don't see it. God's glory is the manifestation of his majesty made aware to humanity. The Bible says that God is everywhere. His glory fills the earth. But every now and then, he shows up in a powerful way. He's here all the time. He is not far from you right this very moment. But every now and then, he shows up in a powerful way. When I talk to some non-Christians, I always ask them the question, have you ever sensed, have you ever sensed that God was really close to you? I asked you that question this morning. Have you ever sensed that God was really close? When I hear their stories, they'll say, yeah, you know, when I was at a funeral and my, my grandmother and the, and the preacher was preaching and all of a sudden I just, I just sensed that God was there. Or I was, at, I was praying one time or reading the scriptures and, and, the, and the scriptures just came alive to me in such a way that I, I, I just sensed that, that I was in the presence of God. Where I was standing on the rim of the Grand Canyon and I'm looking out at that vast divide and I just sensed the glory of God in the ways that I had never thought before. Like the time my son and I were up in Wisconsin and we saw the northern lights and just overwhelmed by every now and then the glory of the Lord shines around us. It's there all the time. It's there all the time. But sometimes it shows up in a way that just kind of gets our attention. And this was one of those times. The, the Bible sometimes, the Old Testament called it the Shekinah glory, the, the, it, the pillar of fire by night, the cloud, uh, the cloud by day, the, the cloud that came over the tabernacle when they built it. All the priests had to run out of the tabernacle because they could not could sustain the, the, the movement of God's presence there. 
every now and then the glory of God shows up in our reality and it requires from us action. We cannot stay the same. When the glory of the Lord shines upon us, we have to respond. And these shepherds were in their fields keeping watch over their flocks and the splendor of the Lord showed up on them. It showed up on them. And the Bible clearly says what happened. They were terrified. I like the good old king. They were sore afraid. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've been afraid sometimes. I had just bought a Ford Escort that was going to drive to Ohio, no, out of Iowa. And it was an icy day like this, and I was on the highway, and I hit an ice on a bridge, and that car started spinning around like a bumper car. And I was so afraid. <laughs> Sore afraid. And these shepherds had not seen anything like this. And they were terrified. God showed up with a bang on that first Christmas morning. I've seen it on television shows, and I don't think it's glorifying enough. I want you to think about it. The majesty and the glory of the creator of the universe shone round about them. That, that round about them word there seems to me that whatever it was consumed the area in which they were in. It sucked out the air of the place. It, was, it filled it with the glory of God. I pray for worship service all the time. All the time. One of my prayers for worship is that the glory of the Lord would show up in such a way that it would consume our presence. What would worship service look like if the glory of the Lord showed up? In a powerful way. He's here every time. Don't get me wrong. I, am, I, I love Harvester. I love our worship and I love our people. But every now and then I pray, Lord, I know you're here, but show us your glory. Reveal yourself to us. Show us your glory. Give us, a, 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 even if you have to put us in the cleft of the rock, show us your glory. Let us get a little glimpse of who you are and how you work and your majesty. I, I'm going to sound like one of the disciples. Show us that and that would be enough. <laughs> and I know that in Jesus Christ is full of grace and truth, all the glory we need. A glory as of the only begotten from the Father resides in him. But every now and then, I'd like to see the physical manifestation of that glory. I'd like to see it. And these shepherds 
these night shift workers, rejected and dejected by society, find themselves in the presence of the glory of God. And they were afraid. And I think what the angel says here to them is the good news of the gospel revealed to all humanity. In Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 10, the angel says, Then the angel said to them, said to these, 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 these shepherds who were in the fields terrified, he says, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. For this, there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And then suddenly there was with that one angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying together, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. Let me say something. Number one, I know there are people here who may or may not have made a personal, conscious, dynamic relationship with Jesus. Ah, you come to church. You're religious. You may know the language. You like the community. You like the people but you don't have a personal relationship with God. The glory of the Lord has no shine in your own life. And I know one of the things is that you're afraid. And I know one of the things that causes fear is the stuff, the stuff. You've done stuff. You've done bad things. And these bad things just mount on you like mountains of guilt the relationships you've been in, the people you have wronged, the things you have said, the chemicals you have consumed, all of that just beats you down and you're afraid of what would happen to you if you came to Jesus. You're afraid. You're afraid of what God is going to ask of you. And maybe he's going to ask too much. You're afraid because people have said, I've tried it and it didn't work. Well, I always ask the question, what did you try? Because the Bible says that all who call upon the name of the Lord, every single one of them shall be saved. It is an absolute guarantee that this thing works. If you put your faith in Jesus and rely on him, it works every single time. So if you said it didn't work, talk to me about what you did. It'd be like Eric Clapton, you know what I mean? I got, I got, Eric Clapton said it didn't work. See, so I, read, I read Rolling Stone magazine about his conversion. You know, he says, I was high on heroin, and then I woke up and I saw this picture of Jesus, and I knew I was a Christian. Well, that's not probably going to work. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think that, that's going to stick. Or Bob Dylan comes out with a couple of records, you know what I mean? He's acting Christian. Then he says, ah, I'll go back to Judaism. 
That didn't work. Don't even get me started on Jay-Z and Beyonce and all the rest of them. It says this works all the time. And our fear is what the enemy uses from us to put our faith in Jesus. He says his love for us casts out all fears. And there are people here right now who have given their hearts to Jesus, have trusted him, and have relied on him. And they can tell you the stories about how in the beginning it was, it was difficult and hard and complicated and how the Spirit of God came and brought peace and love and joy and satisfaction and how he, he helped them through their fears and their concerns. And when they look back on their lives today, their lives are totally different than what it was years before. That all of a sudden when they look at their life, they realize that the person they used to be, the things that were important, the choices and the desires that they used, they are gone because the love of God has, the glory of God has shone in their hearts. And they've experienced a new birth. You do not need to be afraid. Don't let that fear of a personal conscious, dynamic relationship with Jesus keep you from life. His peace, his love can overcome the fear. Number two, the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy. I'm an old street preacher. I started preaching on the streets. Okay? My church had so many hoops you had to jump through to preach. We didn't have preacher boy contests. We didn't have anything like that. So me and another guy used to go out on the streets of Brooklyn, and we would preach. And let me tell you, I got good at preaching some hellfire and brimstone messages. Oh, man. I could preach hell, and you'd start sweating. <laughs> oh, yeah, I could preach some hell. Judgment. But you know, the essence of the gospel is good news. It's good news about the fact your sins can be forgiven once for all. I want you to, I want you, let me, let me say that again. Your sins can be forgiven once for all. The stuff that you fear the decisions you've made, the life you live that keeps you in constant fear from a personal conscious relationship with the Lord, that can be forgiven once for all by the blood of Jesus. There is absolute forgiveness available to you. So you tell me, but Bob, you don't know what I've done. I say to God, it's irrelevant. He died for that. He demonstrated, it says in Romans, his love for you, that while you were still sinning, he died for you. He did not wait for you to get your act together before he died for you. He died for you so that you could get your act together. That's good news, folks. Sin's forgiven. It's good news because we, not only did he forgive us our sins, he gives us a new life. 
I'll never forget I was, um, a young couple came to the church door one time when I was pastoring. A girl was maybe 16 and she, was, she had a boyfriend in a car who was 18. They had no money, no place to live, no food, and a little baby. The baby must have been weeks, weeks, little baby. And my heart just broke for them. She says, we don't have formula, we don't have anything. So I said, let's go to the grocery store. So off to the grocery store, I had to push the cart. You know what I mean? The church is going to help you. You're not getting filet mignon. <laughs> You're getting great value. <laughs> so, just, just letting you know. So I'm pushing the cart and putting some diapers and some formula and some baby food and some other stuff. And, and so I'm, I'm, one of the reasons why I'm pushing the cart is so I can have the, the Jesus conversation. And I, and I, always, ask, I, have a, I always ask this question. I said, tell me. When she's 16, right? When you were playing with your Barbie dolls and your baby dolls and you were thinking about your, your life in the future, is this the life you thought you would have? She turned to me and says, Dude, what are you nuts? I got a baby, no husband. I'm living in my car. I have nothing. This is not the life that I thought I would have. I said, have you, I asked her, I said, so have you ever thought about getting a new life? And she turned to me with, like, hope. How do you get a new life? I said, I got good news for you. There is a Savior who has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. He'll take that life. He's not going to fix it up, patch it up, amend it, reform it. He's going to take that life and he's going to nail it to the cross. And he's going to take his spirit and put it inside of you. And you are going to have a new life with new goals, new aims, new desires, new choices. Everything is new. And he's going to take you in this new life and put you into a new community of people who are followers of Jesus. And they will encourage and sustain and pray and support you in this new life. You are not alone. All you have to do is trust him. Only trust him. Only trust him. And she didn't receive Christ there in that pamper aisle. But I could hear her mumbling to herself, a new life. A new life. It is good news, not just because our sins are forgiven. It is good news because we have access to a new life. It's, it's good news because we now have a personal relationship with God. You don't need to go to a priest or through a ceremony or through some action. You can have a relationship with God where you call him Papa, Father. Everybody knows when I teach my classes that if my kids call me, I take the call. That's a rule. I tell my students, if I'm in class and I see my kids call, I take it. My kids kind of know my schedule for the most part, so they know if I'm in class and they call, it's probably an important call. Every now and then they make mistakes. You know what I mean? They, they, they have their phone in their back pocket and they call me and, or... 
they forget my schedule or whatever. But they're always surprised that they said, are you in class? Because I hear other people talking, yeah, I'm in the middle of a lecture right now. But, but I give my kids access to me. Okay? Because that's what a father does. You take the call from your kids. You get a call from your kid at 3 o'clock in the morning, it's not good news. You take that call. My oldest son is having a baby within days. Oh, he calls, I'm taking it. <laughs> I want you to think about if we are parents and we take the calls from our kids, if our kid calls us and they're in trouble and, we, and we're going to pull them out of the snow or fix their tire or pick them up or get them out of jail at night or whatever we do for our kids, how much more the Lord of the universe, who is our heavenly father, how much more will he not take care of us when we come to him because we have a relationship with him? A personal relationship. You don't have to call me up to pray for you. I will pray for you, but you can pray for yourself. You have access to God. That's good news. You have access to good news is there's the hope of eternal life. All of us are like a container of milk. There's an expiration date on us. Every single one of us. There is an expiration date on us. We have a limited shelf life in this world. Should the Lord not come back, every single person in here will expire and go home to be with the Lord, hopefully. So the old joke I used to say, where do you want to spend eternity? Smoking or non-smoking? Where do you want to spend eternity? Your eternal life is going to be significantly longer than your current life. So the question is, where do you want to spend it? And the Bible says if you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. Now, that's life that lives after you die. It's also part of eternal life is life right now. It's the part of the abundant life. Eternal life is the abundant life and life that is eternal. And through a relationship with Jesus, we have a hope of eternity that our life would go on. But not only do we not have to be afraid, and it's good news, the angel said it's for all people. All people. The Jews didn't pick that up. They didn't pick it up when that happened. Because obviously, Jesus was a Jew. It's for Jews. But it's for all people. And the way we know it's for all people is where it starts. It starts with shepherds. These shepherds are a symbol of all the rejected, dejected people of the world that have access now to the good news. I never agree with people who say, oh, that, that, that Jesus thing isn't for me. You don't, you don't know where I've come from. It's for all people. 
Well, I'll wait, you know, I'll wait until I get older. It's for young people. Or people say, you know, I'm, I'm too old. I've lived, I, I, I. it's for old people. You know, I'm raising kids. It's for middle-aged people. It's for working people. It's for unemployed people. It's for sick people. It's for well people. It's for church people. It's for unchurched people. It's for all people. All people. Everyone. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. It's for all people. If you're sitting here and you're thinking it's for the person next to you, it's for you. If you think it's for the person outside because they're really sinners, it's for you. If you think I'm good, but I just don't have a relationship with Jesus, it's for you. It's for all people. It's for everybody. And I'm glad it's for everybody. Because there's no way I would have gotten it if it wasn't for everybody. Let's get real. Let's, let's look in the mirror for a couple of minutes. Most of us didn't have wealth, power, influence. We're not most likely to succeed. Man, if the gospel was for pretty, healthy, well, wealthy people, most of us would be lost. but it's for all people. And that gives me hope to share the good news with folks. It is for you right now. It's for all people. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that leads to great joy. That's for all people. But this good news requires a response. And it's interesting what those shepherds, they could have sat there in the fields on the glory of God. You know what they could have said? Oh, let's sit here. Let's have a Bible study on what the angel said. What did he mean? What did the angel mean when he said, don't be afraid? They could have looked up the Aramaic word and did a word study and charted it out. And that's not the response. Or, or, or better yet, they could have had a worship service. After all, you had the heavenly host singing, in excelsis day. They could have sat there and held hands and sang kumbaya and talked about how great it was being in the fields, keeping watch over the flocks by night, having the angels. They could have had a great and wonderful worship, but that was not the response that was required of them. Response was not a Bible study. It was not a church service. It was not a group discussion. It wasn't a support group. They said, let us go now. Let us go now. Let us go now and see what God has. Let us go now. The text implies they left immediately. The text doesn't tell us if they took their flocks or if they left their flocks. It doesn't say, but they said they left immediately. And I know some of you have heard the good news of the gospel over and over again. And you said, oh, yeah, I'll put it off. You know, I'll wait until I get a little older. I'll wait until I understand it more. I'll wait until I figure it out more. Well, you you got to go right now. And it's even more significant when you realize the expiration date. 
Let us go now to see. Let us go now to Bethlehem to see the things that have come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. God is speaking to some of you this morning about your relationship with God. And I want to give you an opportunity to put your trust in him. I'm going to give an altar call to let you know straight up. I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat, to come forward and surrender your life to Christ. Oh, Pastor Bob, what are you trying to embarrass me? Nope. But I know for a fact that if you're ashamed of him here, he will be ashamed of you up there. There's something about going public with our reality. There's something about coming clean before a group of people say, hey, I confess, I need a relationship. That helps you. Yeah, you can do it by yourself. And just coming forward doesn't make you a Christian. But if you really believe in your heart and come forward, I tell you the Bible says you can experience eternal life. And I'm not going to make any promises to you. I'm not going to promise that it's going to be easy and it's going to be fine and everything's probably the next couple of days is going to be more difficult. But you are not alone. All you have to do is acknowledge the fact that you're a sinner. You have rebelled against God. And God is already judging you for your sin. You feel the guilt. You feel it right now. You know you're feeling it. Now you just need to acknowledge it. You need to trust that God is both loving, he loves you and wants you, but he's also a just God. He loves you, but he's just. Now we like to talk about God loves you, God loves you, but we also forget to talk about the fact that he's a just God. He cannot allow you to continue in your sin without punishment. He loves you. He loves you so much he will punish you for your sin. And you need to believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the only one who can take away your sins through what he did on the cross. I'm not asking you to believe what I say. I'm not asking you to believe in a harvester. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, you need to trust in Jesus. He's the one that died on the cross for you to take away your sins. And you need to trust him for that. That he received punishment for you. He took what you deserved. And then finally, that if you just, eternal life can be yours. That's life, that's future, and life right now is yours if you just put your faith in him. So I'm going to ask you right now to bow your heads.
those of you who are followers of Jesus, and you're aware of it, I want you to pray for those that may be here that are not. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, you know, I need a personal relationship with Jesus. I need to trust him. I need to turn over my fears. I'm going to ask you to come forward right now. If you've never made a conscious decision to follow Jesus, I'm going to ask you to come forward. The coming forward isn't what saves you. It's the faith in your heart. Your trust in God that saves you. Is there anyone else? Anyone else sitting here saying, you know, I, need, I know I need Jesus. Oh, man, I've been dodging this for so long. I need to put my faith in you. Is there anyone else? You don't have to be afraid. I've got good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today to you has been born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Is there anyone else? For these two that have come up, there's a simple prayer I used to always pray. It says, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I now invite you to come into my heart and into my life, take over my goals, aims, plans, desires, and choices. And I want to trust you as my Savior and follow you as my Lord. New life can be yours if you pray that. Father in heaven, I thank you for those that have come forward. Oh, this is only the beginning of the great journey. Joy and peace is for them right now. And I pray that all the sin that is so holding them down and beating them down, I pray that you just wash that away with your love and your grace. Fill them with your spirit. And cause new life to grow right now. And I pray this, Lord, because there was a day I stood here. There was a time when I prayed this prayer. And you have been more than faithful over those years. Thank you for the work that you're beginning in their lives right now. And we pray this in your name. Amen.